Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, Another 2.1 seconds to madness, your college basketball podcast. I'm Russell Hainline. Look, last week's episode with KBAD was a lot of fun, right? It was really great. Um, it was uh, everything that we wanted this podcast to be every single week. And yet, for uh, reasons in my own personal life, uh, exciting reasons, reasons I'm not yet uh, ready to announce. Uh, I was not able to, A, watch a ton of basketball this week, or B, work out uh, a time for me to be able to record with KBAD this week. So, uh, instead, we're going to get another little mini episode. Uh, Hopefully, this will help tide people over before next week, when hopefully, knock on wood, we will be back with KBAD for our regular episode format. Thank you to everybody who's been commenting, tweeting, Thank you to everybody who is liking us on iTunes. Even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, please go to iTunes, leave us a review. It helps with our visibility. We very, very much appreciate it. Uh, and you know we'll reward that by actually having the proper format for this podcast on a quasi-regular basis, hopefully in the near future. Um, I just wanted to talk about the games that I saw. I didn't get to watch as much as I normally do, uh, but I wanted to just sort of touch on the things that I did see, and I did then want to sort of preview the week to come. I've not even looked at the schedule for the week to come. I did absolutely no prep for this because I only have like an hour to record, edit, and post this today. <laughs> so uh, please forgive me if I'm a little all over the place. I'm going to try my best to stay nice and focused. Uh, I want to go back to... Tuesday, uh, when we posted the episode with KBAD, the Villanova-Gonzaga game, where Villanova just absolutely beat the brakes off of Gonzaga. You know, I I said in the episode last week that I would have maybe promoted Villanova from 4-2 to two overall uh, if I had sort of seen the results uh, in the Gonzaga game before I made that list. Now, obviously, with everything that's unfolded since, you know, I feel pretty safe about putting them all the way at number one. You know, being able to beat... Gonzaga like that in the manner that they did. Now, granted, it was basically a home game for them because Gonzaga was so far from home. But the fact that they were able to uh, limit the relative effectiveness of guys like Killian Tilly, uh, certainly Jonathan Williams and Killian Tilly were both not helped because of foul trouble that they had. But even guys like, you know, uh, Jakob Larson, Roy Hachimura, I, I would have thought that maybe the size on the interior would have given Villanova a, a little more issue. Uh, Omari Spellman, I thought, played uh, relatively well, all things considered. I know he's been very up and down from what his expectations have been, uh, but he had a very Zubek-esque line with nine, uh, 10 points, 10 rebounds, two steals and a block. Uh, Bridges has obviously been very special, first-team All-American special. Uh, I would have thought Brunson would have been that guy coming into the season, but now definitely seems like Bridges is living up to his full potential, which obviously you've got to be incredibly excited about. If you're a Villanova fan, uh, Villanova obviously a competitor for the national title. I, I'm still not going to sell on Gonzaga uh, because especially I think that uh, Zach Norvell has been really good. Their freshman uh, has been shooting really well. He was excellent in this game. 
Perkins and Melson, I, I'm not sure whether there's a game I've seen so far this season which they've both played well. Usually it's one or the other. And, like, they've got to both play well consistently in order to be an actual title contender to get back to the title game this year. Uh, Arizona-Texas A&M uh, was also that day. Um, I got to see the second half of this one. Um, you know, I, I was a little, again, take it with a grain of salt, right, because it's basically a home game for Arizona. Yes, I understand it's not actually a home game. That would have been a lot more uh, exciting for Arizona fans, I'm sure, to actually have it going on there. But uh, they still played very well, obviously, even though Alonzo Trier uh, was kept relatively in check. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was very good. Ristich uh, gave them some points. Brandon Randolph looking more like the guy that we saw in the preseason. Um, I was a little displeased with, you know, just the ooh-child-levelness of guys like DJ Hogue and Robert Williams in this game. You know, the uh, the fact that they were almost beaten on the boards by Arizona when uh, Texas A&M has been dominant on the interior, you know, pretty much all season long. I've, obviously, Arizona has certainly got the size to mess with them, you know, with Aiton and Ristich. Uh, Pinder, like, didn't even really play after the performance that I highlighted on the last episode. Um, but, you know, it's not like... I, I, I don't know. I, I would have thought that considering Aiton defensively has not been brilliant, obviously Ristich is pretty good defensively, I would have thought that Davis and Williams would have been able to get a lot more going. Davis certainly got going, but Williams, uh, I, I don't know, maybe seemed a little passive. They didn't get him the ball very much. Um, I still have some mild guard questions uh, in terms of Texas A&M and their viability to be a title contender. Uh, but obviously, again, a three-point loss in what's basically a road game, not really something to hang your head about if you're a Texas A&M fan. Obviously, for an Arizona f- fan, you know, you've got to be very excited about the way that this week played out beating two uh, very good teams. Um, Duke-Boston College, uh, Duke losing on the road to Boston College. Uh, Kai Bowman was insane. I mean, I tweeted a couple of these things. I didn't really have a huge problem with Duke's defense in the first half, despite the fact that Boston College put up 48 in the first half, because Boston College was shooting 31% from three heading into that game. Uh, and they shot in the first half 11 for 14 from three. I mean, it seemed to me that by design, they were giving Boston College threes in order to try to prevent dribble penetration. And then Boston College responded by making just 75% of their threes when they shoot 31 for the season. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And (laughs) I don't really know how you counter that, but you certainly shouldn't counter it the way that Duke did, which was essentially try to chase them off the three-point line a lot more, which then opened up the dribble penetration a lot more, uh, which has been a huge weakness for Duke for years now. And certainly a guy like Kai Bowman has the potential to beat dudes off the bounce, you know, on a regular basis. Guys like Jordan Chapman, Jerome Robinson both played very well. It was basically just a three-man effort for Boston College. They got that big lead because of the fluky three-point shooting, and then just didn't really let it go. Uh, 
I've, I've got to say, if, you, if you're a Duke fan, you're most disappointed by the fact that Duke actually did get the lead back for a brief period there at the end, but just sort of collapsed down the stretch. Uh, Trayvon Duvall played uh, pretty miserably. Uh, Grayson Allen also played miserably. You know, uh, backcourt questions for Duke going forward, certainly. I, I know that the defense is probably going to be like the big story here. Uh, in this game, certainly also uh, the lack of bench in this game, which, you know, you just you can't be very excited about if you're a Duke fan, especially knowing how much talent is actually on that bench. Um, I don't really know what to say other than the fact that fluky shooting in the first half combined with the fact that Duke usually loses its first road game in ACC play, regardless of the opponent. And Boston College will probably end up not being an awful loss. Uh, you know, they're probably they're top 90 Ken Palm right now. Uh, they'll probably end top 100 RPI. Uh, so I, I don't really – I'm not going to panic too much about this. I think if you're a Duke fan, you're obviously going to be looking ahead to games like the Florida State game on the 30th, which, you know, considering that Florida State beat the hell out of Florida at Florida, it's probably going to give – Duke fans a little bit of pause, and then certainly the NC State game on the road where they have been feisty uh, over the years as well. Um, Duke's just got to figure out uh, some stuff defensively for sure, um, and then offensively the backcourt has got to be better. they got to make better decisions. Grayson Allen, Trayvon Duvall, got to make better decisions. Got to feed the ball to Bagley. You know, uh, the Arizona-Alabama game, which I got to watch – some of, not all of. I'll talk about it in a minute. Um, at the end of the game, what were they doing? They were feeding DeAndre Ayton, and they won. The end of the Duke game, when they have a lead, what do they do? Trayvon Duvall is taking threes. Trayvon Duvall, Grayson Allen running into contested two-point attempts. Feed Bagley. I mean, I, I think if Duke can figure out to feed Bagley, they're going to be in really, really good shape. But ultimately, uh, guys like Grayson Allen, Trayvon Duvall, they've, they've got to realize this is Bagley's team, first and foremost. And until then, they're probably going to lose a, a few more games. Arizona-Alabama, I touched on it. I only really got to watch the end. Obviously, Aiton was obscene in this game. Uh, Trier also played very well from what I from the limited amount that I saw. Sexton went off. It was just a fun game. Uh, really, really fun down the stretch. I mean, I think in the second half, it was something like 50 to 42 uh, you know, that's those are scoring numbers that are that are stout that make for really fun watching. Uh, if you get a chance to watch this game, I would. Um, you know, Raleigh Alkins back for Arizona is a big deal. He didn't really do m too much in this game, but I'm sure just his presence alone uh, certainly helped. Gives them you know a little more off the bench than they're used to getting, uh, which is great. Uh, if I'm Alabama again, this was a road game. I'm not overly concerned. Sexton played brilliantly. Uh, you had a pretty good chance down the stretch. It's really all you can ask yourself for. Um, they struggled on the interior against Arizona. Again, to be expected, they don't really have the bodies like that. Uh, they certainly don't have the bodies to you know run up into guys like Aiton Ristich. So uh, not an enormously surprising result, but just a, a great game to watch, fun game to watch. Wichita State, Oklahoma State. Uh, got to watch this, uh, mostly uh, just the Landry Shamit show. Uh, that's a hard thing to say, Landry Shamit show. Um, he he went off 30 points, two rebounds, five assists. I, again, when Wichita State is cooking, they are really cooking. And, you know, again, they are a solid eight-man team. 
which is really, really great. I, I thought Oklahoma State honestly did decently well. Like, they acquitted themselves not too terribly up until, you know, the last, I don't know, eight minutes-ish of the game. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed what I saw from them, frankly. Their only losses are neutral court to Texas A&M and then to Wichita State. Now, they haven't played literally anybody else since. It'll be interesting to see sort of what they do once they start playing games that are maybe a little bit more their speed. Uh, but, in fact, now I'm looking and they only beat Pitt by six points. Never mind. I'm totally off Oklahoma State. I, re- I recant everything that I just said. Uh, you know, guys like Carroll are good. Uh, I thought that in the game against uh, Wichita State, I liked what I saw from Lindy Waters, uh, you know, in sort of, again, limited spurts there. Mitchell Solomon uh, had a pretty good game. Carroll was a nothing burger uh, against Wichita State. Uh, foul trouble. So, yeah, I mean, um, not much to gather here other than the fact that Wichita State is very good and Oklahoma State uh, really probably isn't going to be good this year. Uh, Arkansas, Minnesota. Uh, if you're an Arkansas fan, obviously you loved what you saw in this game. I mean, it was just a layup line down the stretch for Arkansas. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know what was going on. Again, Reggie Lynch had foul trouble. Uh, Jordan Murphy uh, down the stretch also had you know some foul trouble as well. Uh, so they were struggling on the inside. But it, even when they were on the floor – you know, Jalen Barford had a huge game. Um, Daniel Gafford uh, really sort of outplayed uh, guys like Reggie Lynch and Jordan Murphy, which, you know, you're not really going to hear too much uh, throughout the season. But 16 points, seven rebounds, six blocks for Gafford. I mean, if you're an Arkansas fan, that's got to make you feel just absolutely great about your prospects of fin- finishing top four in the SEC. Uh, and just aggressive, aggressive play from Arkansas, very, very efficient against a Minnesota team that, uh, you know, had been looking pretty good up until this week. They also lost to Nebraska in a game I didn't watch, and then they barely beat Drake. So, you know, I I don't know whether just losing at home to Miami just sucked the life out of them, but uh, things are not right presently uh, for Minnesota. Uh, They've got to figure out how to get back to where they were when they were, you know, beating Providence on the road. That sort of thing. But then again, now that I'm looking at the schedule, again, because it's important to look at the schedule when assessing some of these things, I'd seen them play a couple of times, but not a lot against, not against a lot of good opponents. Right now, the Providence win at Providence is really good. But Alabama, they barely beat despite three on five, <laughs> neutral court. Lose to Miami at home. Lose on the road to Nebraska, handily. Lose on the road to Arkansas, handily. Barely beat Drake. Their best win outside of the Providence win and the I I, I guess we got to give them credit for the Alabama win despite the fact that it ended super embarrassingly um is what Rutgers at home I mean like they, they just don't have a lot of resume built in there in terms of top 100 wins that give Minnesota fans confidence going forward they've got the rest of the calendar year should be pretty easy for them but then you know they're going to get into Big Ten play certainly beginning of January when they've got Northwestern, Purdue, Penn State Road, Maryland Road. That'll definitely test what this Minnesota team is made of. And, you know, like I said, as for Arkansas, I like what I saw out of that. Um, Again, I watched that Oklahoma-Arkansas game. They looked really good in that game, looked really good here. I know that one super weird loss at Houston, but Houston is better, I think, than advertised. Obviously, they got the break speed off them by North Carolina. 
uh, but they're shooting the ball well. They're not turning the ball over. I think if Gafford can keep giving them big numbers, uh, especially those sorts of rebounding numbers and enforcing on the inside, they're going to be in really good shape. Uh, Florida versus Cincinnati. Uh, Igor Kulichov had a really great game. I like just watching him. Even when he's not playing well, he looks really smooth, which is good. Uh, Chioza played well. Jalen Hudson played well. Uh, Cincinnati's got point guard problems. I mean, they had four assists, 21 turnovers. Four assists on 23 made field goals. I mean, that's that's just not going to get it done. I mean, I, I don't really know when you're a team like Cincinnati that's, you know, certainly not uh, shooting the ball well against good opposition. Uh, and then uh, you also have sort of inferior point guard play at present. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do against... I'm going to look at that game this coming weekend with UCLA on the road at UCLA uh, against Jalen Hands. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Cincinnati's point guard play can do against uh, a talent of that caliber because right now neither Jennifer nor Broom ha have terribly impressed me. And then the most impressive performance of the entire uh, week was Arizona State going to Allen Fieldhouse and soundly beating Kansas. Um, I mean, I know it only ended – with 10 points, but I mean, the, the entire second half was Arizona State, all Arizona State. Uh, again, much like that Arkansas-Minnesota game, it was a layup line. I mean, uh, Kansas is going to have some real trouble defending the interior. Uh, it looked a lot like, you know, Duke fans watching it might have seen, you know, flashbacks to the second half of that Boston College game. Just drive, 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 clutch three-pointer, clutch three-pointer, then drive, 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 drive. Uh, Trey Holder was obviously phenomenal. Shannon Evans, phenomenal. Remy Martin, the freshman, was really great uh, in this game on both ends. Uh, Romello White, I thought, did a really good job inside. Uh, Kansas, you know, especially because uh, Azubuki just can't do it all himself. Um, I, I don't really think he has the uh, fitness to go at the sort of speed that Arizona State wants to play at. Um, you know, what, what was that, a 77-possession game? I mean, that's that's a fast, fast game. And certainly guys like LeGerald Vick, who who played really well, uh, Devontae Graham, uh, you know, guys like that can run. But I, I don't know that they've got big bodies to defend the interior if a game gets high tempo like that. You know, whereas Arizona State uh, is more than happy to to run with the best, to play small, to sprint, sprint, sprint. You know they're they're not overly concerned with their defense <laughs> to some extent. Um, they're going to try and make you beat them by shooting. Uh, Kansas normally does okay with that. They shot the ball pretty well, um, and yeah, I mean they're Arizona State. They give up a lot of threes. I said that pre uh, last week. Pre last week? No, I said it last week. The pre is not necessary. Uh, Kansas took thirty eight threes and twenty nine twos. Uh, and they made a good clip of them. They just couldn't get stops defensively. 85 points for Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse should be enough. But it wasn't. Um, the thing that impressed me the most about what Bobby Hurley did in this game is they had a, a pretty sizable lead going into, let's say, like the 8-minute mark, 7-minute mark. Now, that's the mark at which most coaches would slow the game down, right? Uh, try and limit the number of possessions that the opposition will have the ball in their hands, right? Slow it down and use the whole shot clock. But then that gets teams out of their rhythm. We've certainly seen many big-name big teams lose leads like that uh, over the last many years. And instead, Bobby Hurley just told him, look, just keep sprinting. 
Just keep sprinting. You've got a lead, great. Keep doing what you've been doing. Um, they didn't even get much out of Cody Justice. They didn't need it. Uh, and they still, you know, uh, just beat the hell out of Kansas. Uh, Svee, if he's not making his shots, I, I don't love what Svee brings to the table. I think he's a very questionable talent. I think he's got the raw talent there, and certainly uh, he, when the shot is falling, which you know it's been falling most of the season so far, it's really really good. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if these early season numbers that he's been putting up, uh, you know, maybe regress back to sort of that 38, 39 percent, and that means there are going to be games in which he shoots like 50 percent and games in which he shoots 20 percent. I I haven't sort of seen the sort of consistency out of him you know, uh, that we would like to see, uh, certainly over the last couple of games. The Washington game, which I did not get to see, he, he shot pretty miserably as well. Uh, I I don't really have much to say about Kansas other than you got to defend the interior. You know, um, maybe I know they just signed that kid who's like a tight end from the football team. Maybe he can come in and give, and give some minutes. But ultimately, uh, they're going to have questions on the interior all season long. I don't think that those questions should be enough to make people not happy about them uh, as a team. But, you know, the other number that I think Kansas fans will look at and be a little concerned about is the free throw attempts per field goal attempt, uh, which sort of determines how much of a jump shooting team it is. They're 349th in the country in free throw attempts, and they've been playing a good amount of home games. They have not played a real away game yet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they can get a little more interior play, a little more penetration play, or whether they're just going to be content to just shoot the ball, which, you know, Washington sort of showed the template. If you've got a, a zone that can sort of force Kansas to not shoot the ball well, then uh, then they're beatable. Then they're totally beatable. So uh, interesting to see how Kansas will uh, develop. Let's talk about games coming up this week. Michigan at Texas uh, is tonight. Give me Texas. Uh, that one I don't think needs too much explanation. Villanova at Temple is, is you know, cross town, which is great. Um, but Villanova is just too good. Uh, Temple is not bad. Uh, they have not been bad so far this year. Uh, I mean, beat Clemson neutral court, beat South Carolina neutral court, uh, beat Wisconsin at home, although that's really no surprise considering what Wisconsin's been going through. Uh, yeah, just not enough reasons to not pick Villanova. Not enough talent on Temple to counter just the sheer overwhelming amount of talent that Villanova has. Uh, Valpo at Northwestern could get interesting because, uh, like I said, I'm not totally sold on Northwestern. Uh, but I also think that, you know, Northwestern can probably make Valpo in a jump shooting team. They'll probably win that game. Uh... Cincinnati at UCLA. Sort of talked about this one early. Cincinnati's favored on Ken Palm, but I, honestly, I'm a little tempted to take UCLA here. Uh, yeah, they lost on the road to Michigan. Uh, yeah, I mean, there there are things that are not great about UCLA right now. That having been said, uh, I do like their ability to run, uh, and I like that they can run without turning the ball over, really. Um, not a terrific shooting team, but they'll try and sort of dart inside on Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Cincinnati does pretty well in defending the interior, though. Oh, boy. 
I'm going to take UCLA just because it's the home team and I don't have a super strong feeling either way. Uh, this will be a good game, probably the best game of the Saturday. Clemson versus Florida, probably a sneaky game here. Um, you know, it's technically not a home game for Florida, but it's at like in Florida. Um, Clemson has a lot of talent. Uh, you know, I really like Shelton Mitchell. Uh, I think Reed is good, DeVoe, Grantham. You know, they've got players who should make them at least sort of uh, a, a possible middle-of-the-pack team in the ACC. Florida has shown some degree of vulnerability. Um, yes, they did just beat Cincinnati, but they are sort of all over the place if their threes are not falling. Uh, I wonder if Clemson defensively, they're going to want to slow the game down. Uh, I think they can probably do that pretty effectively. And if they can do that, then they'll actually have a chance. Uh, I'm still going to take Florida, but if you're looking for sort of – I don't remember if Florida is still ranked. Probably not. But if you're looking for an onions thing here, Clemson's not the worst pick there. Virginia Tech at Kentucky. Uh, this one should be a lot of fun. Uh, Virginia Tech definitely wants to run. They want to shoot. Um Really good passing team. Uh, they don't really have the sorts of bodies that can deal with uh, Kentucky's bodies, their length. And certainly uh, Kentucky you know, has more raw talent. They are obviously more than happy to run also. Um, Kentucky wants to score inside. Uh, Virginia Tech can't really stop Kentucky on the inside. Uh Kentucky has had trouble defending the three-point line um, to some extent uh, in terms of most teams scoring against them are getting the lion's share of their points from the three-point line. Uh, Virginia Tech is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Uh, they have not really been challenged yet this season it would be my primary concern uh, in regards to Virginia Tech. I'm, I'm like Kentucky here, but I think it'll be a really high-scoring affair. I wouldn't be surprised if Virginia Tech is drilling some threes, makes the game a little closer than most Kentucky fans are comfortable with. Uh, Purdue versus Butler. Uh, I, I just haven't liked enough of what I've seen out of Butler so far this year. Uh, I'm still pretty high on Purdue. Um, you know, give me Purdue here. That one's not really hard for me to call. Oregon at Fresno State uh, is one that you might want to keep an eye on. It's not really onions because Oregon is is certainly not ranked at the moment. Um, but again, they're sort of a bigger name. They're more on the national radar than Fresno State is. Uh, but Fresno State, you know, got to a single-digit game with Arkansas on the road. Uh, you know, top 65 team in Ken Palm. You know, uh, I like their chances there to pull off, you know, what I think nationally would be considered an upset. Although, you know, people who have watched Oregon play maybe wouldn't think that. Oklahoma State versus Florida State. Uh, give me Florida State. I, I, I just don't trust Oklahoma State uh, at this juncture. Oklahoma at Wichita State. Really, really exciting to watch Trey Young at Landry Shamit. Uh, that should be uh, a great matchup. Um, give me Wichita State. I, I just like their team a lot more. Uh, Oklahoma's obviously got some things going for them, uh, which, you know, I, I'm really impressed with what they've done so far this season, beating USC. I didn't get to watch that game. Um, but, you know, pretty great there. Oregon, 
you know, I just sort of shit on Oregon a little bit, but that was basically a, a home court advantage for Oregon, considering they were playing in Portland, uh, which is very, very far from Oklahoma. Um, I just don't know if Trey Young will be able to do it all by himself against Wichita State on the road. Uh, so give me Wichita State there. Syracuse at Georgetown. I know KB uh, wants to pick Georgetown here. Um, you know, not the worst choice, frankly, considering Georgetown's been shooting the ball really well. Um, but I just have concerns about the zone and being able to shoot over the zone. I don't think Georgetown's really been challenged so far this year. Uh, you know, but they are, but they are at home. Actually, you know, I'm just going to be a, a blatant K bad panderer here. I'm going to go with Georgetown, uh, for the win. Uh, I don't trust Frank Howard. Haven't all year. Will continue to not do so. Um, yeah, give me give me Georgetown in that one. Uh, Notre Dame versus Indiana, I think is one that uh, has the potential for some intrigue. Uh, just because if Indiana was able to get hot, uh, then certainly they can make some things happen. Um, I, that's a big question mark considering how they've shot so far this season. I I. Don't really know how Notre Dame lost to Ball State. I, I didn't watch that game. Uh, you know, from the looks of it, it just looks like it was Bonzi Colson, and then you know, it, it looks like they just struggled to defend. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I'm just box score bobbying that one because that was not even on my upset radar, frankly. Um, I have no reason to super mistrust Notre Dame, although that's an eyebrow raiser. Um, but again, sort of uh, an in-state thing going on. Uh, maybe Indiana can play up to the opponent a little bit, which uh, certainly I thought they played pretty well against Louisville, all things considered. Uh, they definitely played well against Duke at home. Uh, so, you know, maybe they play up. I, I'm going to keep an eye out for that one as a, as a possible upset special, just because Archie, you know, uh, he'll have some tricks up his sleeve uh, at points during this season. Uh, sort of looking through to see if there are any other upset candidates on Saturday. I don't really see anything. North Carolina at Tennessee uh, is the game I'm most excited for all weekend, frankly. Um, I think this is a great, great matchup for Tennessee, um, just in the sense that Tennessee has been very, very good at defending the interior. Uh, they have been very, very good at shooting the three. They are a pretty strong uh, rebounding team. They force a lot of turnovers. They have the ability to pressure Joel Berry uh, to try to cut off the head of the snake a little bit. And, you know, I think in Grant Williams, they have somebody who's got the size and the talent to give Luke May some difficult, uh, some give difficulty. Combine that with the fact that it's, you know, a true road game. It's only uh, UNC's second of those all season. I like Tennessee to pull off the, you know, quasi upset here. Uh, I think that Tennessee is almost certainly ranked right now. Um, so it's not an onions. But again, uh, I, I like Tennessee to pull off the upset here. Uh, Vanderbilt at Arizona State. Give me Arizona State. No reason to doubt them now, especially not with the way that Vanderbilt has been playing. Uh, next Monday, Boise State at SMU. Might get a little interesting. Boise State, uh, I think, is, again, one of those teams that might be a little under the national radar, but they've certainly got the talent. Uh, but I think SMU is a little better, especially at home. I'm going to take them. Uh, and I think that covers the week. Does that cover the week? I think that covers the week. If you have any questions about any other games uh, that you might be interested in, 
please just holler at me uh, on Twitter at seconds the number two madness. Let me know. Tweet at kbad k b a d d s uh, and let him know you're excited to have him back next week so that Russell doesn't just ramble. Uh, I'm at Russell H Film. Again, not tweeting an enormous amount right now. Life has been absolutely crazy, uh, but. Uh, hopefully I will get to watch some of those games uh, that are exciting this week. And luckily, weekend will be a little slower for me. I'm excited to see some of those games. Uh, certainly my DVR is already set. And, yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else to add. Please continue to reach out to us on Twitter. Please, uh, I know I'm going to hear it from the Luke May Collective for suggesting that Grant Williams can compete with Luke May. Uh, I'm certainly ready to eat my words if Luke May goes off against Grant Williams. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in Grant Williams. I gotta gotta put my eggs in that basket. Um, uh, thank you to everybody leaving the reviews on iTunes. Please again leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I've got to keep saying this until those iTunes re- uh, number reviews uh, go way way high. Our numbers keep climbing because people keep leaving those reviews. Keep leaving more. Keep our numbers climbing. Uh, we really really appreciate it. We appreciate you, all the listeners. Please follow us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. On Twitter, twitter.com slash seconds, the number two, madness. If you need a direct MP3 link, secondstomadness.tumblr.com. For KBAD, and for myself, Russell Hainline, this has been 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Good night.